Hello and welcome to Overburden, the podcast for postal workers. I'm Kevin Hitchings. And I'm Brandy Hughes. And this week we're going to talk about a huge success story that lasted decades. <laughs> or a year, not even. What? A year and just a half. Just over a year. A year yeah. and a half and was a massive failure. But you've heard of it. Yes, it's the Pony Express. Yeah, nothing to do with CUPW really, but it's postal history and it's um, kind of strange how huge it's become considering what a massive failure it actually was. Maybe we shouldn't talk about this because isn't management going to grab onto this and be like, oh my God, we should do it. Cause, See if know, they can top they, it. They like failures, <laughs> yeah. right? They love anything that looks questionable. Let's do it. Let's yeah. replace our entire fleet with the cheapest vehicle we can buy. Horses are green. Horses are green? Yeah. They're not using any. Well, oh, oh yes. Well, yeah. methane? That's the cows? Cows mostly, but they, <laughs> they run on uh, renewable resources. Renewable resources, yeah. Yeah, and they pump out some fertilizer. Definitely, definitely. So. You'd have a lot more a lot more little girls interested in being a postal worker. <laughs> I get a pony? Yes! <laughs> yeah, the only reason the Pony Express is even remembered, really, is because of uh, the Buffalo Bill Show. Uh, promoted it. He claimed to have been a writer. He almost definitely wasn't. He may have worked for one of the guys, I forget which one of the founders, as a courier for a short time, but never as actual the Pony Express. But his show was, of course, world famous. He went and performed for the um, the Queen of England and the Pope and all over Europe and, of course, all over the states in North America. So that's really where the legend of the Pony Express came from, was Wild Bill going around and promoting it all over the place. Um, it's It's kind of a an iconic symbol too of you know the the old west kind of so it started uh april 13th 1860 was their first run they only even started the company two months before that so you're looking at something going across an entire country um they had not quite the whole country not quite the entire country there was the (laughs) telegraph on the east coast um went as far as missouri and then they had because of the gold rush they had california and they had telegraph there, but nothing in between connecting them. That's really what the Pony Express did was connect the two sides of the country. Yeah. So like before this, um, like uh, delivery of mail was averaging about 24 days <laughs> to go from from Missouri to California. And the options were to put it on a steamer ship and take it down around the bottom of South America and a, yeah. back up the other side. It was a lot more than 24 days doing that way. Yes. Or to go down to Panama and risk catching various diseases while you took it across on uh, by mule because there was no canal at that time to take the ship through. So you had to like basically take it off the steamer, put it on a mule, take it across and put it on a second steamer that would then go up the west coast of mm. America. Yeah, and like 24 days was an average, waiting three months for a letter would not be that uncommon then. Yeah. Whereas the Pony Express was leaving every week. Um, Their record run was uh, Abraham Lincoln's inaugural address. They got to California in seven days and 17 hours, which was lightning speed back then. Yeah, their average was supposed to be 10 days, wasn't it? Yeah, but they really, what they did is they got on the horses and they rode as hard as they could, really. So yeah. the 10 days was their, their goal, their service commitment, I guess. But uh, if they really wanted to, or you got a rider that just was excited or whatever, you could do it in less. Um, they had set departure times, and really what happened was they went as fast as they could, and uh, every 10 or 15 miles, they would hit a way station. Mm-hmm. And you would take your, your saddlebag off, 
called a uh, Coachella or something like that? Uh, Mochilla, that's what it's called. Mochilla, thank you. And they took the saddlebag off, they put it on a new horse, and if they were tired or if they needed to, they might hand off to another rider, but usually they would just keep going. And uh, they would ride around 75 miles a day. So every 10 or 11 horse changes, they would switch riders as well. And they would do the switch as quick as possible. The next guy would take off as fast as he could. Yeah, so the whole run was um, approximately 2,000 miles or, or 3,200 kilometers. And there would be 190 to 200 stations along the way to switch out your horse or switch out your riders. And uh, some of these places would have places where you could sleep and get food and that kind of stuff when you were switching out. It was an expensive operation. The, the riders or the staff were getting paid between $100 and $150 a month which is uh, around 26 to 3900 a month now per, um, which is quite a bit. And then to maintain four or 500 horses, because uh, that was a yeah. pretty large herd, and then they'd have to get supplies out. I didn't say anything about how they supplied these stations, but I imagine that was fairly expensive too. They must have had a separate supply line, because you couldn't load up the horses with food and supplies, because they had to be light and quick. So they must have had a separate supply line somehow. But the, uh, the gentleman that started it, uh, Russell's Majors and Waddell, their previous career was to supply military stations and forts. They would have been pretty they pretty efficient at a that. Freight company. Yeah, they would have been pretty efficient at that part. So yeah, they just decided to connect the country and switch to letters. Um, I read that it was that the idea of starting it was suggested by California Senator William M. Gwynn, uh, like suggested it to them, Russell Majors and Waddle, and that there had been at least three attempts to create such a, a, a quick postal service in the U.S. Senate that had failed between 1849 and 1859. Yeah, and there were other services, but none of them were set up nearly as efficiently. Uh, it was basically give someone a letter and they would take it kind of thing across land, but yeah. no big relay system like this. So yeah, their company was called the Central Overland California Pikes Peak Express Co., which just rolls off the tongue. Which oh, is, yeah. Can you make a short little um, anagram out of that or something? Uh, Kokpek. Kokpek? Kokpek? Sure. Okay. <laughs> so they were pretty famous That's in catchy. the news. Yeah, they were pretty famous <laughs> in the newspapers and, and stuff. So that's really where the Pony Express name came from, was the press. And they were like celebrities back then for the short time they existed. I, I, there's also some argument that this might have been based on a practice that the uh, newspapers were using uh, along the East Coast. Uh, between 1825 and 1830, apparently American newspapers used ho a horse relay system between New York and Boston just to uh, transmit news back and forth, like to get stories in so they could print them. Yeah, there's nothing really new about this system. It's just it was set up in a place that hadn't been done before for, you know, for the public, which hadn't been done before. Uh, there have been government systems. This is how the Mongols invaded Europe, which was with a very similar system. And really what saved Europe at the same time, because when the emperor died and they got recalled, it could have easily have been months before they got that message. They could have sacked a huge part of Europe in that time. <laughs> so it's a good thing. And same with the Great Wall of China. Um, Great Wall of China, uh, of course, were famous for lighting those fires and really messages. But they also had riders between points because uh, the wall... Uh, was never continuous and had large gaps and plus you had to get a message from the wall to the imperial city so right. they had a similar system as well so this isn't a new idea it might have been lost for a long time or not common um, and there's been many systems like this set up all over the place but a transcontinental one set up just for mail 
Uh, as far as I know, this is the only one dedicated to public usage. That Mongolian one was kind of extreme, though, because, like, the Pony Express, they would go, on average, up to 100 miles, um, like, a single rider. But the, the Mongolians, they would go up to 300 miles, one rider, one day. Yeah. Like, that's just, can you imagine? Your butt would be so chafed. <laughs> I don't know how the horses would guide themselves, but I heard they would even tie themselves into the saddle and sleep that way if they had to. Oh, man. Which I can't... Imagine Insanity. how much that would screw up your back, slouched over and bouncing on a horse. And bouncing on a <laughs> You gotta be messed up when you get there. Nobody cared about ergonomics. Come on. No. <laughs> yeah, the same managers as we do, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> the Mongolians in, yeah. in Genghis Khan's empire? Same people. Yeah, same managers. Well, the same amount of uh, care and attention to people's well being. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. <laughs> we think so highly of our supervisors. I call this a uh, public uh, post office or public post service, but really not everybody, not many people were using it. Um, one of the reasons it was such a failure is because they were making this huge, expensive, enormous run, sometimes with 10 to 12 pieces, because in modern money, it cost $130 to send a half gram. So they were writing letters, people were writing letters on uh, tissue paper to make it light, um, because at that time it was only $5 a half gram, but that's right. 130 in equivalent money. So it was expensive to send a letter. Okay. And uh, like I said, it would have to be pretty urgent because you could send it other means and get it there in twice the time. So if you can make it light enough, you could save money and still send a letter. Yeah. They never did get a government contract, which may have saved them, at least extended mm -hmm. it or, you know, uh, prevented them from taking such a huge loss. But uh, a lot of their mail was government and without that, who knows? They might have only lasted a couple, couple weeks at the the money rate they were losing money, because they lost two hundred thousand dollars in eighteen sixties money. Um, so just, you know, we're our money's worth roughly sixty five times that now. So do the math. That's that's a buttload of loss for a year and a half. Yeah. And nothing was improving. At the end, they they decided to run uh, two routes a week instead of one, which would have just raised costs. Uh, or maybe not, because I guess, you know, I don't know if they gave their people raises at that point, and they're feeding the horses anyway. But uh, I saw a couple of places that they lowered fees, but I never saw by how much. But I don't know if that increased their volume very much. So I guess a person, to me, I guess a person might be thinking that, um, why does it matter? Why do you need to get your mail so quickly? But um, there were growing concerns at the time that there was uh, more animosity between the north and the south and kind of um but the east civil... and the west too california was cut off from the rest of the country really yeah lots of like civil war grumblings at the time and they were really concerned that they wouldn't be able to travel across the country to or even like down or and around in order to take the mail um to the other side and there was a war at the time which is another thing that made it uh, pretty dangerous um the pyramid lakes wars in uh, Nevada and Utah with the indigenous people there. They were retaliating for things the settlers had done um, and were basically burning outposts and trying to push people back uh, off the land. Uh, so yeah, only six riders died in this 18 months because uh, they're out there alone and isolated. But really, these outposts, which were usually just sod shacks, they were thrown up very quick. Like I say, only two months to set up this company. So it's not like they were well-built structures no. and they didn't have much time to really upgrade them in the 
year and a half they existed. Especially since a lot of that time would have been winter. You know, you're not doing a lot of work in winter. But yeah, uh, they also had to maintain the trail in between so that you could get between them, right? Yeah. So 16 people were killed in these outposts, um, not just because of raids. Um, I didn't see it broken down. But yeah, it was not a, a friendly time to be doing this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, apparently the riders were constantly at risk of being attacked by uh, Native Americans. And they were just kids, mostly. Like, the average age was 20, but they were... Uh, hiring as young as 14 because they wanted small people kind of like racing jockeys you'd see today on horses yeah. where the the large men were boys whatever were 125 pounds so they were looking for very small small people to to move these legs across and to keep those horses moving so april 3rd 1860 was their first day that they ran um the last set of letters left on october 26th 1861 so you know, I doubt those people were super motivated, so that one probably took a little bit longer to get there. <laughs> so, uh, and there was general complaints, like there there are people who weren't getting paid quite properly all the time and things like that. But overall, it seemed to be a pretty decent company to work for. They did make you swear an oath to the company, like a loyalty oath to the company when you joined. Do you want to hear the oath that they would swear? Yeah. <laughs> I, Brandy Hughes. Do hereby swear before the great and living God that during my engagement, and while I am an employee of Russell, Majors, and Waddle, I will under no circumstances use profane language, that I will drink no intoxicating liquors, that I will not quarrel or fight with any other employee of the firm, and that in every respect I will conduct myself honestly, be faithful to my duties, and so direct all my acts as to win the confidence of my employer, so help me God. It's funny that it says shall not fight with other members of the company but you can fight with other people all you want yeah yeah fight with other people well you got to defend yourself against the you know people defending their territory <laughs> um, but um yeah i'm not putting fault on them at all i'm just saying that's there was a war at the time there that was, was a reality, war but so. and i mean who can blame them you know these jerks come in and build all these things and take over your land and really don't give you anything for it and there were hostilities before that but what really kicked it into a full-blown war was a couple settlers kidnapped some 12-year-old girls and held them hostage and abused them. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that really set the indigenous people into a, a rage, rightfully so. Go figure. Yeah. Yeah, so there was really, uh, you weren't supposed to curse or drink or fight. Um, and there's a lot of accounts that that's all they really did was drink and fight for boredom. You're out there. But not curse? Uh, probably a little bit of cursing. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was what you did. You're out there for 18 months, basically alone. Yeah. yeah, you would see somebody for you know two minutes when they switch horses, and away they go. Yeah, and then you'd wait you know a week until your next two minute interaction with a human, kind of like COVID. <laughs> These guys, they would have had no trouble the last year. They would have been like, yeah, whatever. Haven't seen a human in a week. It's all good. <laughs> Better than 2020. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, they had to swear this oath and they had to carry a Bible with them at all times. But during the whole run, uh, it sounds like a lot. They carried 35,000 pieces of mail, roughly. It isn't really that much when you think about the huge expense, and that's over 18 months. So some of these parcels would have been, or routes would have been fairly heavy, I guess. But the, the ones that with only 10 pieces would have just, well, did just kill the company. And during that time, so roughly one a week and a year and a half would be, what, 75-ish odd runs? All but one of them actually made their uh, their delivery. 
which is a pretty good percentage considering everything they're up against. You know, there was weather, you know, you can get easily get lost in a blizzard. There were oh, yeah. uh, raids. There was just all kinds of just natural hazards that could happen during that time. Someone get bucked off their horse or something. Uh, and you're out there all alone in the middle of nowhere, really, with no help for hundreds of miles. So it's pretty miraculous that they had the record that good. Did you know at the beginning they carried a rifle and a pistol, uh, but they stopped doing that because they were too heavy and awkward to be practical. That's odd that they would not carry at least a pistol, but like a rifle I could see it if they didn't, because they had to have a special saddlebag that yeah. you could switch very quickly. It was basically pull it off the horse to throw on the other horse. And then the new rider like jumps onto the new horse and takes off. Yeah. But they would have had the the horse pre-saddled when you got there, you'd think they'd be able to yeah, strap a rifle they, to the they saddle. they carried horns, so you could honk your horn, basically. Or well, blow your, your horn, horn, yeah. Yeah, um, while you were approaching. They would just wear a clown nose and slap themselves <laughs> in the face a few times as they, as they awesome. rode up. Yeah. You put it on the butt of the horse. Yeah. <laughs> go, go! <laughs> Giddy up. Yeah, so in theory, yeah, you'd have no, no weight in between, just... Throw the saddle over across and gone. It's a pretty smooth system, which, you know, the the mechanics of it worked well, just the finances didn't. Just not enough uptake on people wanting to use the service at all. Um, so apparently if you, um, if you feel like you missed out and you didn't get to use the Pony Express when it was uh, in operation, you can still take advantage of it. There is a National Association of the Pony Express. And every June, uh, they, uh, they, there are volunteers that will run the, the route. Well, ride horses. I don't yeah, think they yeah. run. <laughs> um, and so you can either purchase one of their pre-printed postcards or you can uh, write your own. So the pre-printed ones are, is that $5? Yep. And then to send your own is $10, and you can send something by Pony Express. Um, I wonder what happens when you get to the end, because it'd be like one point to one point. So they, do you have to be there at the end point to pick it up, or do they put it into the it regular into the postal service when you get there? Yeah, I don't know. Well, even when it was operating, like that end point in um, Sacramento. Sacramento, they would ship stuff up to San Francisco by steamer uh, once it got to Sacramento. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't really the end point. You know? Yeah, so. I'm not sure how they distributed it once it got there. But yeah. uh, I forget the name of the town they started in. But uh, St. Uh, Joseph, Saint I think, Joseph, Missouri? Yeah. yeah, Missouri. So you really only had one main hub on each end. But they were to. setting up uh, like collection stations yeah. in major cities on the east yep. side. And I imagine if they would have done better, it probably would have expanded quite a bit. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe they should have given it more than a year and a half. Well, the reason they <laughs> shut down, which we almost forgot to oh, mention. Yeah, the telegraph. Yeah, the telegraph, like we said at the start, existed on both coasts. But uh, I'm guessing one of the reasons they never was got it. Was it on both or was it just on the east? They had it on both, but oh, okay. did, there was just nothing connecting them. Right. I'm thinking one of the reasons they never got a government contract was the government knew that there were plans to connect it. Um, so they did. And it was connected. And literally two days later... That's when the company left on their last run. So the Telegraph just instantly put a bolt in the corporation. And really that was unavoidable. When you go from, you know, being a huge advantage of taking things from three weeks to 10 days, 
and then somebody comes around and says, hey, we can do that in 10 minutes. You know, yeah. pretty hard well, to compete and way and not cheaper. Only that at a rate that the average Joe can afford, right? right? Not just that the wealthy can afford. Yeah. So there was really, you know, they would have maybe had a few small packages, but even a package at $5 per half gram would have been insanely expensive. Even shipping like an apple would be <laughs> crazy expensive. So maybe a few military or government things would would go across that way. But yeah, not a lot of business. It wouldn't be shipping cannonballs. They estimate that they lost as much as $13 on every letter delivery. <laughs> on certain runs. Well... Yeah, 35. Like an, as an average, because well, their costs were so high. Well, it says they lost 200K and 35,000 letters went. So yeah, that's actually not that far off. Huh. That's so crazy. Yeah, they would have traveled roughly half a million miles in that whole thing, uh, which is a lot of wear on those horses too. Like once they would have had to start replacing horses, which would have happened you know, sooner or later. Because you'd want young horses too. You couldn't have a... A 10-year-old horse doing this run at that speed. Well, and then you had to feed them. Like, you wouldn't just feed them junk. You had to feed them good good uh, feed so that they would have energy, right? Right. Because here they made a total of 308 runs. 308? Yeah. So that's more than one a week. Yeah. Equivalent to circling the earth more than 30 times and delivered 34,753 letters. <laughs> <laughs> So another interesting thing is just the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who claimed to work for the Pony Express after this. <laughs> after it was all said and done? Yeah, because it was pretty easy to do. Like, a lot of people knew how to ride horses. Horse. Yeah. yeah. All you had to do was be in roughly the right age group and know how to ride kind of a short, horse. Know how to ride a horse. Yeah, and it's very believable, you know. Um, and as far as the public knows, you know, they didn't have the numbers of exactly 80 riders or whatever across. They would have just known that it's a very, very, very long way and they would have needed lots of riders. Oh, yeah. So, you know, in people's minds, it could have been a thousand people they needed. And it's highly believable that all these people could have ridden. And that you, this guy you've never seen before was just the guy who came from six towns down and he's finally made it over here and then he's eventually going to go back, right? Right. So, Yeah. And so what would you, would run a scam where you would say, oh yeah, for sure, I'll take your letter to California and you'd take the money and then just make well, it Well, it was after it was gone. It was just bragging <laughs> rights. Like uh, Buffalo Bill in his show, he had a couple people that were proven to, or known uh, documented riders. But he also had people that were almost definitely not. One of his big show people w would have been 11 years old when it started, which isn't, isn't impossible because I hired people as young as 14. Right. So if he was a big 11-year-old and passed himself off or they didn't keep amazing records of a lot of stuff. So it's not impossible, but it's highly unlikely. But he was a, I forget his name, but he was a famous guy because he was a very uh, personable person and uh, very good in the show. But it wasn't hard to find somebody who claimed they had been in the Pony Express. Even uh, Wild Bill himself, Buffalo Bill, sorry, Buffalo Bill himself claimed to have been uh, a rider and was almost certainly not. Although, again, can't 100% prove it, but almost uh, for sure was not a rider. I certainly was not. So, yeah, that's a short episode this week. A yeah. little bit of history on the Express. Um, so, demands are already in, so it's a little late to request we revert to 
a horse system, although that might be interesting. I don't, I don't want a horse because I don't want to have to pick up its poop. Does the corporation ever really clean up its messes, though? Yeah, but there's there's bylaws in almost every city that say that you have to clean up after your animal. Yeah, they would just say the tickets are on us and walk away. Yeah, probably. And, like, can you, what, would you carry a bucket and a shovel? Ugh. <laughs> so it's a little late for that suggestion, but if there's any suggestions you have for the show, feel free to email the podcast. At overburdenpod at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on Facebook or Twitter. The Mongols invaded Europe was with yep. a very similar type line. Oh, Postal workers, Brandy speaking. <laughs>